You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, hey, Marcus, you like movies? Yes, I do. Hey, I'm too many. You like movies? Yeah, I do. Hey, I'm too many. Do you worry that the proletariat is being taken care of and there's a whole commodified fetishism based on capital gains or that is taking advantage of most people? I don't worry, but I know that's true. Right. I was talking to a friend recently and I was like, I was like, sometimes I have so much trouble saying like the answers. And he was like, this is not an answer. It's just, a, it's just an explanation. Mm. And that was, that was a, that was a friend of the show. Um, but we'll talk about that another time. This is a uh, Gasper bro, Nicholas Weiland Reffin and Audrey Pew Pew. <clears throat> Rep, uh, presenting Zebras in America and ASMR podcast about film, about all these types of things. Um, before, you know, before we do, before we come in, the, I think you might, this might be like the seventh or eighth time you've been on the show. Yeah, I haven't reached ten yet, but I've def- but you're, definitely over five. You're basically the most visited guy I like that. If we had microphones, yeah, I'd buy you one. My man, my man, my men, my boys. I mean, you've bought me microphones, sort of, like, uh, indirectly. Oh, okay, and I think I know how you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, because I've scored your films, yes. where sometimes you've been able to, you know, get give me a little cash, and, mm-hmm. and as you know, it's my rule to take as take the cash I make from music and invest it back in music. Except when I'm really broke, or when I completely finished scoring a movie and then found out that I got fired from that movie because the person was too obsessed with the temp score. Ooh, temp scores, man! I actually, I actually had a big conversation with. Apparently, uh, it's a huge issue. My directing students about temp scores. Did you ever watch that Hollywood Reporter interview with like Danny Elfman? Apparently, and all Danny, it made me feel good to know that both <laughs> like, if Danny Elfman's the top, pause. I'm I'm like the bottom bottom. The fact that we're both, pause. The fact that we're both dealing with that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, like, I scored this whole movie, dog, and they were like, it just like, and also they never they never said, do the tent music. They said do you, and I sent the music to lots of people, and they were like, this is beautiful music. But what I will say is, I'm going to turn that music and make it to my sequel to Bird. Oh, word. So, well, know that I, as a directing teacher who teaches filmmaking, I push filmmakers away from using temp scores, especially from films that they've already seen. Yeah. I'm like telling them experiment with <clears throat> click tracks and metronomes because, like, you're yeah, basically exactly. you're basically editing your film to no, like no, to rhythm. like the score from Avengers. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you're rith- make rhythm, Avengers. rhythm, definitely. Yeah. But then you start <clears throat> scoring the rhythm of other movies, and exactly. Then, and then it's just like, it's just not working for me. Every from a painting, rest in peace. The the old uh, YouTube video about filmmaking. He has a really he had a really good thing kind of going at temp scores. It was, he, he's he's an editor, the guy who who did that. Yeah, I don't even know why I brought that up, but you know, it's important. Yeah, um, and I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm just very excited to have you on the show. You're, you're. Uh, you're very important to the show. Real, I realized when I was wishing you a happy birthday the other day that you literally introduced Marcus and I. I did. That makes me happy, and I'm. I do feel whenever I listen to Zebras in America and listen to Marcus and Scott, I go, "Hey, that's true." I got a hand in that. Yeah, that makes me feel good. Yeah. Oh man, my friend just sent me a picture of a puppy. Check it out. Oh, I see. You see that? Come on. 
Nice. Nice. This being an audio podcast, I'll never know what that was like, though. I mean, I could make it the image of the show. I could make it the image of the show. Do that. Do that. that. That's very easy to do. Do it. So I I got a very spicy. I got a very spicy. um, (laughs) Very spicy email today. Uh, Not today, but this week. For from our fan account. So, also, Doug, hi Doug. I'm expecting a design for our new shirt that you said that you were gonna make us. So, I'm just waiting for that, bro. Um, and you know, earlier this week I was down at the Donnybrook, but now <laughs> I got this email. Might not make it out alive. Might not. Make I've, it out alive. I've yet to go to the Donnybrook. Marcus has, has made me feel like I need to go to the Donnybrook. I just saw I just saw Captain Marvel and Triple the Triple Frontier. Um and the new Adam Sandler Chris Rock movie straight for Netflix. I was sick all week, so I watched a lot of movies. And um my my favorite my favorite scene in Triple Encounter Triple Frontier, excuse me. I had two favorite scenes. One where they literally said, oh, your dad's going to be so rich he can buy you into Harvard. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Lori Laughlin, Felicity Huffman, and... uh, And I just love love how I love how a lot of people thought, like, Aunt Becky was, like, a name that they had created. I know. There was actually a real real person from Full House. Yeah. Yeah. Did y'all see David Mamet write this, like, really horrible letter? Really, like... Corny letter defending Felicity Huffman of course, and William H. Macy. William Macy's his boy, so because yeah. him and Bill Macy and and you know Felicity yeah. Huffman, he, he, William he was H. Macy? he was her teacher. Yeah, and he was. They've her done teacher. multiple movies together. William H. Macy is part of this. Uh, That's Felicity Huffman's husband. Husband. He just conveniently didn't have his name on any of that. That was another thing too. When I saw that they were like trending, the two women trending, and then Felicity Huffman, yeah. it was like the kid. Doesn't she have a kid with William Macy? How come he's? Yeah, like, he is he their kid. He he his name wasn't on any of the documents. They just had they just they just they just had <sighs> him um, convenient. They just had him on yeah. on tape talking about it, but nothing yeah. to actually put him get him sure. get him get. Sure. She put her name on everything, mm-hmm. but no. But Mamet did this total like talk about like hey. Um, it's wrong what they did, and all these things are wrong. But, like, they worked with me, and I like them, so we should just tell them, never do it again. What I will say, David Mamet, just make a sequel to Red Belt, and that's it. Also, so, like, just do that, because that's what we all want to see. By we, I mean the people in this room. <sighs> minus, <laughs> minus one. You wouldn't watch Red Belt too? No, I don't. Think uh, I would like either. on a plane, maybe on a plane. Yeah, you like, liked Red Belt. Stuff. It was. It had some things. I I wouldn't say I liked, but I didn't say I hated. Uh, it. I'm not gonna be like, oh, it was terrible. But I don't like. I liked it. it. Yeah, you liked it. I did. Um. Yeah. So this is gonna be a fun question. All right, want to hear it? This is uh This is from a guy named Spencer. I believe his name is Spencer Spencer Matthew Seams. Yes. And the topic is hip hop. Okay. It says, Sup dudes, it's Spencer again. First Marcus, how you holding up? I'm in a similar situation that you were in a few months ago. My uncle and his son, my cousin, right now don't have much time left. Yeah. Your show helps me a lot. Also congratulations on your engagement. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. 
I'm sorry that you're going through that. I hope you have some support. And uh, you can always um, email me or Marcus. We can give, we can send you some places that might be able to help you with that. Sure. Now the fun part of the email. Ready. I'm ready. Rank Ghostface Killers albums from best one you like to the least. He has a lot of albums. I think he has a lot of albums. When it gets to like, when it gets to like some of the the middling ones that yeah. last like a bunch of years, it's hard. So, I I can do like, my t- Supreme. So, Crime so hold on, hold, sorry. hold on. Sorry. Supreme and Twelve Reasons to Die are in constant rotation for me lately. Um, that's it. Keep up the great show. So, I'm gonna say honorable mention is Sour Soul with Bad Bad Not Good. Man, mm-hmm. underrated. I think that's better. Than that, I, I think that's a better of the live record. I think it's better. So than I think that's die. better than both of the other live records. I think right. that record just has like a really, really oh. good vibe. And um, he, I'm trying to, and he, and he also says on one on one. Uh, song and I know this is not PC anymore he's like with the power of 12 midgets I'm a murder you son <laughs> and I just I just really appreciated that uh, for me I don't think it's debatable his best album is Supreme Clientele um, I think I think Iron Man is a pretty solid second um, I, I, I would agree I think third is a little more complicated yep because cause like I think Bulletproof Wallets is really good but that was going to be my third I I'm, I'm I don't know I'm, I'm in a debate with uh, between Bulletproof and Pretty Tony hot hot take hot take take it uh, more fish is better than fish scale mm. oh, man, I don't know I think fish that, scale that's I, up for a conversation I, I don't think so but I, that's more fish is still a great yeah. album. I think more fish good is tighter, too. but I think fish scale, I think fish scales heavy hitters are better. Yeah. 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 Um did we talk about how good the Pretty Tony album is? Yeah, that's why I had that maybe third of a bulletproof wallet stuff. I mean, I thought, that was his Def Jam era, right? That's yeah. the yeah. Def Jam. Yeah. Bulletproof wallet this is cheating. Bulletproof wallet's white album version oh. is definitely top 3. With like the sun on with it. With the sun? Oh my god. And the original flowers the, yeah. that, you, that you gave me actually. Flower, original flowers is one of the best songs ever. Yeah. Now, um, the Big Doe Rehab was. It, let me just look at the cover to make sure. Yeah, that one was. That one was was one of my was. I didn't listen to a lot. Um, Ghost Dini, Wizard of Poetry in Emerald City had some joints on yeah. there. It's a it's a it's a fun novelty album, and I can't lie. I actually go back to it. At least every three or four months, and I have a good time with it. Might it might be the least one that I actually not that you really that you go back to that I don't go back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, uh, for me, big like my least favorites are Big Doe Rehab, Apollo Kids, Twelve Reasons to Die. I never listened to Thirty Six Seasons. Um, you know, I don't, Apollo Kids. I actually liked Apollo, Apollo Kids. Kids. Thirty Six Seasons. Is really great because he it just for the features, not even Ghostface. He's got like he's got it. Nems really goes off on yeah. this one song. Not a big Nems fan, but he's really good on that album. Az Cool G Rap. There's there's some good stuff 
on both of those, the 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 two. Um, oh, did, did you know that, the guy Zar- that did Black that, Dynamite, Adrian Young? Oh. That that Zarface has an album with Ghostface coming out. Yes, no, yeah. it, 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 it's it out. Came out. I, it actually, came out I actually haven't years. listened to it because I know yet. they made an album with Doom that had some songs on it. Yeah, I haven't listened to Zarface. I actually have it in my computer. Yeah. Get to listen it's good. To it. It's good. Also, Woo Massacre was surprisingly good. Yeah. You know what? I also like man. I love the. I like the Theodore Unit record, man. I like. Uh, I've been listening to that once. I haven't listened to that. Dude, long there's time. cuts on that record, yeah. man. Woo, Woo Block, Woo Block oh, had some songs. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Woo Block okay. had some cuts. Underrated, underrated album. Yeah, driving, driving around. I think uh, my favorite song. Yeah, that album. so so I think of his collaborative records. Uh, put it on the line with Track to God might be the. So that's that's on seven one eight. Yeah, on the Theodore Unit album. I also just love some like I've texted both of you before. Um... Like, what talking about how I want to say sometimes like people disrespecting me, being like, "I'll I'll disrespect you right in front of your kids, pistol whip you right in front of your whiz." (laughs) Bless you. Thank you. No, what did he say? Said don't on the song biscuits. Say don't ever talk to me. That yeah, that snare Mm -hmm. delay. And also when he just goes on this nice little skit about banana nutriment, yeah. which is superior to chocolate nutriment. It's I not. Banana after it's, strawberry is my is my favorite. I mean strawberry milk is is a wonderful thing. Banana nutriment is serious. What's funny thing. about that that part of the song is as the diabetic, I always think because Ghostface Ghostface is type one. Ghostface has the pump. Uh, he's diabetic, and I'm always like, "Why are you drinking a nutriment? That's not diabetic. You <laughs> what you should be drinking." It's like a, it's a pretty sugary drink. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, when he when he says no, he says, "Don't you ever talk to me like I'm one of your kids? I'll, I'll pistol whip you right in front of your whiz. My, that's how it is. That's how I've always wanted to say to my bosses sometimes. Hmm. You know, like, hey, don't talk to me that way." I think my bottom is Big Door Rehab. Yeah, I would, I would, yeah. I would, I would oh, probably yeah. say that's that's probably my bottom. You I know? don't know Thirty Six Seasons. I was, yeah, that, and that, yeah. and I don't like Twelve Reasons to Die. Say, you know what? I no. would, I would say that. You know what? Actually, you know what? Actually, Twelve Reasons to Die. I think might be my my, my bottom. <clears throat> I did, I couldn't get into the record. That I, I, it's when I was still into kind of Adrian Young. I kind of fell out of Adrian around Twelve Reasons to Die. It's funny, guys, because an internal thing that I always go through is there's a I don't think Ghostface has ever made a bad album because when I because I, I in, in my head sometimes it's time to get real about Wu Tang's because they're legendary, but they put out some questionable stuff and it's like, totally. Master Killer, Ghostface, possibly Inspector Deck are like the only members to never put out like something that's bad. And Deck only put out like two records. So three. Like, he has three albums. Three albums. And then I even count the Zarface stuff. That's not really so. fair because he put out records with Zarface and his verses on those albums are great. Oh, that was your, uh, uh-huh. your enunciation of his was so extra. <laughs> what do you mean? But his. I don't know what you're talking but about. But his. <laughs> Dude, I'm just saying, like, you know, that's just how I feel. Yeah, Ghost. I mean, Ghost, Ghost is pretty consistent. Like, as far as rapper, like, also, like, he makes, he makes, like, Albums all the time. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, Underrated I, producer I, too. I really like the Apollo Kids. I'm surprised. I, I I thought Apollo Kids was really dope. Yeah. 
I thought the podcast was really dope. I was, it was like you know, definitely a throwback for his stuff, but it had cuts on it. My my thing though about Big Doe Rehab is that it had Slow Down and Killer Lipstick, which are two great songs. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I just can't put that. Yeah, at the bottom. But a Ghostface bottom is like yeah, not, it's true, it, it's true, not like exactly. a other people's bottoms, like like, <laughs> like, a, like, a, like a Method Man, like a Method Man bottom, you know. Yeah, Method Man also, like, around the time he made the Wu Massacre album, it was like, Method Man was killing it. Yeah, too bad he didn't make any solos around that time. Yeah. He, his his rap and the Wu Massacre, the, I think, uh, around the time of the, that was, that was the time of, the, of, of, of uh, the W also, where he was just, he was, like, the best thing on the W. Mm. Uh, not the W, the um, Eight Diagrams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eight Diagrams. He was the best thing on Eight Diagrams. True. Okay, so the some of the stuff we're going to talk about the, today. What's going on in your life, Mtume? Um, I'm uh, teaching right now up at Purchase College in the conservatory, the BFA program, teaching filmmakers. Um, hoping to get my film done or going soon, raising money for it. Still, you know, in in the world of that dealing with you know actors and producers and money the 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 stuff in movie making that actually i think is probably the most uninteresting everything else is as me everything else is it's only interesting like after it's done and you get to tell like the, the weird stories of the people you met the people who were assholes to you the people who were really nice to you but still turned you down and then the people who finally said yes it's fun like after in like mm. 10 years but it's not fun when you're dealing with it. <laughs> it actually kind of sucks. But yeah, you know, but also working on the film artistically. So like, you know, playing with ideas and stuff like that. Other than that, I'm chilling, man. I'm, you know, reading a lot, hanging out. What you reading? Um, I've been reading Susan Sontag's On Photography. I love Susan Sontag. I'm a huge fan of Susan Sontag. And that's one of her books that I actually had never read. Disability as metaphor is still ahead yeah. of its time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Regarding the regarding the pain of others too is a great one. I'm gonna re I'm gonna reread that at some point this year. You know, I'm talking about pain. I saw this movie Paddleton with one of the Duplass brothers mm-hmm. and Ray Romano. Yeah. It's of the this new breed of movies where Netflix just makes them Netflix just makes movies now all the time yeah like every day and just goes oh hey here and you find out like a week before that this I didn't know what this out. movie was until yeah. Scott was in the group I, I, message I, I didn't even know what it was I vaguely until... knew about it <clears throat> also I, I just want to say go to go back to the Becky thing cause I meant to say it is that like me and Saskia were joking like isn't this? I didn't know that this was illegal. I just assumed rich people, <laughs> rich people, have been paying for their kids to get That's into a good college. Point. Like, sure. yeah, the SAT, the SAT thing was like, I thought that was like the big jump. Like, you're literally paying money to get the SAT score bumped up four hundred. I mean, you knew people do that, but that's just like brazen. Just hire some. Um, I don't know. Why I said that all weird. Just yeah. hire. Just hire some tutors there. I was gonna say hire some hackers. Well, they just, they got one better. They got a person who was at the test. <laughs> <laughs> Look, 
sometimes in tests you just need some relief. But um, <laughs> like so some so like I just want to be the wall at the office when someone's like, guys, we're gonna remake Old Joy into a mumblecore assisted suicide road movie written by Jared, Jerry Seinfeld. Did he write it? No. No. Just no, just no, let just... me finish. <laughs> With a depressing cameo by Kadeem Harmerson. Yo, that was the best thing of the movie. <laughs> Sorry. And someone was like, yeah, here's a million dollars. Like, yeah, this is this is a this is the movie you should make. Like Ray Romano <coughs> and Mark Duplass. Mark Duplass. That was Mark Duplass, right? They just play a weird tennis game called Paddleton. And then Duplass is like, hey, hey man, I'm going to die. And then he says it like that. And then Ray Romano's like, oh, you sure? <laughs> uh, exactly. Why would, you, why would that happen, you know? And by the way, I have a really good speech. Halftime speech I've been working on. And he's like, no, man, I want to die. And then they go on a road trip to buy the drugs to kill him. And Kadeem Harmison, Hardison is the pharmacist. And um, he, so- has, he hasn't been missing meals. Oh, come on. <laughs> Um, well, he's he's on that he's on that 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 show with that with that Zendaya. That's what he's been doing. Who's Zendaya? She's the not Zendaya. One of those is he Zendaya the the uh, one the one from she's like the the new famous one of the new famous like young ladies who's the, becoming the the love attraction in the Spider Man. Oh, yes, her. Oh, he's her father say, on is, her. Is it is, 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 that is that a Mary, Nickelodeon is, is or that, Disney show? Is that oh, MJ? Zendaya's actress is playing MJ in uh, the new Spider Man movie. I think yeah. she has a different name, or she MJ. Yeah. She's MJ. I I, 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 I think I could I couldn't I couldn't remember the new Spider Man movie. After I mean I, I saw Captain Marvel today, Oof. and my favorite line was was Hey, you're a real Captain Marvel. <laughs> the uh, the one movie that you left out of your description, which is pretty much accurate, the road trip aspect and wanting to die. It also nowhere near as good but it also was just like oh t- throw a little taste of cherry in there also Kiara Stami is like yeah. driving around trying to find people to help him kill himself um yeah um it's interesting I, I I I think your comparison to Old Joy is actually really accurate but I don't know I don't know if this is for the for the reason that I'm about to to say it it's interesting I watched Paddleton and another thing that I do, you guys know this, but not people know, I um, I go to a lot of film festivals and I screen a lot of movies at film festivals, American indie, you know, a lot of independent films from around the world, but I, I watch mostly American independent films. And I have to say, it was interesting to watch it because Old Joy, because Kelly Reichardt's kind of like, if you think about like independent film, like, uh, like leaders, Americans, it's her. Like that aesthetic, she's kind of the one who's mastered it and probably made it the strongest. And a lot of people, if you watch a lot of these American independent films in the film festival, they're copying what she's doing. And then it's crazy when I watch Paddleton, I'm like, 
this is literally Netflix kind of gentrifying the American independent wow. style. That's, that's heavy. Right? Throwing Ray <laughs> Romano and the Duplass brothers, who I also will say the Duplass brothers, you know, they kind of sit in hanging they they, they they get a lot of scripts and stuff from American Indies. They come from the American Indies. No, I was just, I was just gonna say because American yeah. Indies, like people who make indie films gentrify neighborhoods. <laughs> Well, that's the, that becomes a double irony. And, like, I watched it, and I was just like, all right, well, I'm basically watching a movie that's, like, trying to be the American indie, but have the star power to not have to, like, be mar- be marginalized or not known. Yeah. Like how most American indies are. Kind of take the style ever from the camera. But then, like, still have, like, Ray Romano and Duplass kind of do their star power you know, mm-hmm. performance style. And I watched it and I was kind of like, I've seen this movie, just not with these movie stars. That's a great point. I, uh, <laughs> I just, cause I can't, I think of it, the, the, not Will Oldham, but the Daniel, oh, I forgot his name, the other guy from Old Joy. Yeah. I was walking past my job years ago, visibly sad, clearly was just crying, like something was up. And I did, and I was just like, "Oh, <coughs> hey man, Old Joy's really great." And then he stopped, and he like took a breeze, just like, "Thanks, man, thank you." And he just kept walking. It was really like I don't know, it was just a really awkward uh, interaction, but it was also very nice. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Went, I went See? up to the God Fahim once, and I was just like, "Oh boy, hey man, I like I like your beats," and he was like, "Yeah, Tipton." Okay, before I have a laughing attack, um, that's an interesting. Like, subgenre of movies. Like, I've seen this movie before, but with lesser-known actors. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so I, I, into... I felt it. Like, I felt it a lot. And I... And it was interesting. And, and, and even, like, the style, like... Because, I, in a way, you could say that about... respect For those... I love Kelly Reichardt. I think... I like Kelly Reichardt, knows, too. But you could... You, to some degree, could say that... To some degree, about old... Outside of the Americanism, because Old Joy is a very American movie. Yeah. Right down to all the stuff that plays in the background. Like, you know, they're listening to... You know, doesn't exist anymore, but listen to Air America Radio and yeah, all that totally. stuff. But, like, the whole, like, two guys on a road trip, it's like, you know, Vim Vendor's kind of... Like, Kings mm-hmm. of the Road is very, like, Old Joy-ish, mm-hmm. you know, too. But, um... From the American standpoint, no, like Old Joy is very much that like American kind of aimless road yeah. movie, and all, only seventy something minutes long, and also just the aesthetic, you know, because a lot of times indies have to do with minimalism, right? Yeah. So they like they don't have a lot to them, so they use like landscape shots, they'll deal with like the environment and do things like that. Put them in a car that you can have, you can have some good conversation, and you know you you can afford to make that kind of movie. But it's always so it, it's interesting to see a company that has a ton of money. Yeah. Try to make a minimalist movie. It's it's yeah. very Urban Outfitters. To be honest with you, it's like seventy five dollar um, <laughs> uh, stone washed uh, ripped jeans in a way. Oh, yeah, dude, but dude, this... they got five hundred dollars stone washed ripped jeans. You're right, five hundred dollar. But at the same time, look at what Netflix kind of did with Roma. It's just like, oh, there's totally. this Carlos Regatta guy. Let's make a let's make one of his movies. Uh, we'll call that's, it Roma, which is even crazier. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's 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 Cone making that decision too, though. That's know? true. Very 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 that, true. You know, very true. A, I wonder what those conversations are like when they're at different film festivals together. Never, it's always like there's that Quaron Inuritu del Toro. Like they love like. They have to know who Ray Goddess is. It's just a weird well, thing. Do. But, like, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to get off of the topic too much. But, yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, 
just other things I could say about the movie. I don't know, Scott. You, do you have any other thoughts about? I'm sure you have a ton of thoughts. I mean, you know, I I liked how plainly it dealt with the notion of assisted suicide. Because mm-hmm. that's not an easy subject. And I thought they dealt with it carefully. Mm. Like, there was no glitz or glamour, and they didn't try to make it the fact that it never it never was able to get out of its quote unquote quirkiness kind of allowed it to deal with the hardest part of the story spoiler alert he's successful oh well he wants to die because he has incurable cancer and apparently in certain states they allow they, you they allow you yeah. to purchase the medicine that that allows you to do this um they dealt they dealt with care and sometimes it's hard they, you know people are not always very um fluent or trauma informed when talking about or dealing with trauma mm-hmm. speaking of trauma informed and dealing with trauma and you know other stuff. Uh, lovely guest of the show, Sloan Leong, recommended us a movie, First Match. And I hope you won't be mad at us, Sloan, because we love you and loved having you on the show. But it wasn't my favorite movie. Yeah, mine, mine, mine either. Before, that happens. Before, yeah. before you give your thoughts, M2M, yeah. can I just do a little synopsis? Totally. And I also want to give one shout out to Sloan because she, she said she was a Raul, Raul Ruiz fan. Mm-hmm. And I actually just watched City of Pirates, one of the most amazing films I've ever watched in my life. And I had watched Three Crowns of the, of the Sailor like a, a year ago and I totally loved it. So big ups. But go ahead. Yeah, so, so this... Uh, this young girl who's been in and out of foster systems and lives in Brownsville and, and just seems to be in a lot of pain idolizes her father who is a very good wrestler in high school um, and is having some issues with men and issues with, with women and stuff like that. She decides to start wrestling on the varsity wrestling team against dudes and she starts doing pretty well. Her dad, who's been in jail for a while, shows back up and then starts sort of pushing on her to do things that she's not really ready for, but she really wants this. She really loves her dad and really wants the acceptance and then ends up starting to do like underground fighting rings and there's a lot of stuff that that does seem to understand the pulse of Brownsville, and the film started with a Ka song, so that was exciting. Yeah, placement, placement. There was some good Brownsville's own, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But there, there were just a couple things about the movie that did not sit right with me. But what, what were your thoughts, M Two Me? So I had said to y'all before that, like, I actually. Some of my issues with first match, 
kind of live in the same realm of my issues with Paddleton, but like in, in a different kind of way. First Match is another movie that I see a lot in indie places. I see a lot of these kinds of movies about like young people of color who are struggling. And I I feel like now when it comes to a lot of black movies, like black pain melodrama is it's is its own genre. Yes, it is. So there's like a genre called black pain melodrama, right? And you don't have to do anything else. You don't have to like think about it visually. You don't have to try some new kind of thing with it. All you gotta have is some black pain, a character we can all feel bad for, you know, terrible circumstances. Um, and there you go. Like there was that movie years ago with Kerry Washington, Our Song. Y'all remember that movie? In the no. early 2000s. It was like Kerry Washington's like first movie. No. And they got heralded as like this big, great movie about inner city I girls. Brooklyn Babylon. Brooklyn Babylon. Yeah, Ron. I think Ron, Ron, well, Brooklyn Babylon, Babylon probably before that. Yeah, that was like 2099. Or, right. Our song yeah. was like 2000, 2003. And, that, and like, our song was like... Quick played, little interjection. Mm-hmm. I wish a good filmmaker... I wish Bones Malone would be in a good movie. Bones Malone yeah. is a good character yeah, actor. I agree. I'm not trying to take shots. I mean, you can go to his filmography. He's only been in a handful of movies. I don't know. I don't think I'm a fan of any movie he's ever been in. But you like him in But he's so, like, in Slam, let's not get, but in Slam is is an Academy, if you believe in that kind of, is an Academy Award winning performance. Yeah. As a guy who runs his cell block, just walking around with a robe all the time saying, asking people if they want cake. Yeah. Uh, Just (laughs) just random shit. But anyway, anyway. But yeah, like, I, I watched it, and that's the thing I... They do nothing else. They just they they say, oh, all we need to do to depict this area, the only imagination we have about this area is all these pain and degradation, and the name. And I'm not saying these things are not real in these in these areas. I grew up in these kind of areas, but like the vision of the world, I don't feel like is the vision of the world that I saw, Which... and the people that who are from it see. They don't look at it out that way, and it's like you this. You there's more imagination about this kind of world well, who that you could someone who's oh, not so, from there. So, so if I may tag in, yeah. as an outsider looking in, as someone who's been called an interloper, or you know someone that's uh, sometimes just invited to sit at the table of certain cultural things, my curiosity is it is it a thing? Is it weird that? When I found out that the, that the director was a white woman, mm-hmm. it made me feel weird. No, no. I was like, "How? Why? What? What makes her want to tell this story?" I agree. Also, she and she wrote it. Also, like I, 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 if I, I didn't have any time, I felt like googling. You know, if I could find any info, info on the director in the film, I didn't have any time. I should have done it before. Like, what made her believe, like, oh, I want to tell this story about Brownsville wrestling companies and yeah. underground <laughs> fighting rings? And is that is that what she thinks about black parenting? Is this her confronting right. All these her black parenting? Yeah. Do we need to confront these things anymore? My other thing about Paddleton, while I actually do think there were some things that were quite good about it, is like, how much of this shit do we need to make? Mm. I had that similar thing about Paddleton and this, but I'll, I'll get into that later. I'll, Marcus, I'm the only other quick thing I wanted to say too, not, uh, this movie, the, the first match, 
it would not have surprised me that. But and she comes from a certain cloth. If if I found out that like D Reese directed this, I wouldn't have been surprised though. At at the same time. Well, that's another conversation. Yeah, it is. I just wanted to throw that in there for the folks listening. I I would not have been surprised. But it, well, actually, it, actually, I, I think know. it's the same conversation. But keep on. No, no. I, I just want to interject and, and say that also. But no, but to to Scott's point, any to even movies that I like, like I was before record, I brought up how to some degree this kind of the, the dynamic of the white director um, making film like this brings back even movies like a George Washington or Ballast, yeah. where it's just like all black cast, all black issues, but it's like this mm-hmm. white per- not not just a white person, but a white person that's not from that world. And I think the origins of it, I think two. There's two. Big things, I think. Um, Jesus, what's the Shirley Clark do- documentary? Uh, the, 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 I know you're talking about Portrait or something. Like Portrait of Jason. Jesus. Portrait, Portrait of, Jason. of Jason and Paris is Burning are the two movies that really make I think a lot of black audience in the know very skeptical when a white filmmaker makes black stories because those yeah. are like two examples of just like shout out to Shirley Jackson much more than the director of Paris is Burning, but it's just like you make this movie and then okay, I'm out. Yeah. And like you know, like Paris is burning specifically, like down to the point where this woman never even told the subjects mm-hmm. of the movie when special screenings were gonna be like they had like when any time you see pictures or images of like the cast of Paris is burning at any screen like they crashed it. Yeah. They had to find out oh this movie about us, you know. So I think that I think those two movies just kind of set this precedent of just like any time and you're talking to a Claire Denis fan where like two thirds of her films to some degree are, are, are about that kind of stuff but so I'll say like, about Claire, you know, in, in, in Claire Denis the reason why Claire Denis is so good at it is she puts herself in it like white material I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have liked white material if it wasn't if it was from the perspective of um, the black people there it was actually sure, from the perspective sure. of this white woman who's, who's clueless so I have to add this in. Can that, you go back and watch Cachet with that same? Because uh, that's that's because that's why I think that's what I think about. But I, but Cachet, Cachet, I have an issue because Cachet, he's trying to make that comment and still doing it at the same time. That's my mm. issue with Cachet. White material mm-hmm. is a movie that deals with race in a way that I had not seen before mm. from a white yeah. lens. Same. Trying to, trying to not. Absolve themselves of guilt. Oh, exactly. 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 This this film, um, um, my first match, yeah. was like literally you're stepping into a world. You're making these kind of sweeping statements about this world, and I'm like, like, who are you? Because and as someone who who knows that world, who, who from that world, and actively still works in that world, I'm like, you're you're recontextualizing things in a very kind of strange way to kind of make a narrative drama that the other thing I'm going to say is these things play well in the indie in the independent film market mm-hmm. man mm-hmm. they they pay they they perform really well in film festivals they are popular and like someone comes out of film school they don't have the money to make this kind of movie they say well hey let me make a movie about a girl wrestler right a tough girl a little different I'll make it gritty. I know what, I'll have point. some. I'll have some shaky cam on it, you know. <laughs> and like, there you go. And like, I seen it. I see a lot more in short films yeah. than I do in features. But also, it's in features. This one has probably had a little bit, a little bit of bigger budget to be able. And I don't know. Did Netflix actually produce it? I'm not sure. Did she sell it to them later? I don't know. Mm. But like, yeah, it's funny to me. And but also, what you're saying about Paddleton, like that's the other thing. It's like. It's this sentimentality stuff. Like, 
I hear, like, I wish American indies or the indie style would, like, always not. That's why I like Old Joy. Old Joy doesn't lean on sentimentality. Yeah. That's why I think Old Joy is such a great film. Mm -hmm. I think Old Joy has a lot of nuances to it. While, like, I felt Paddleton and First Match was just like, let's just go into the melodrama and the sentimentality and make you lean on that. Yeah. Wow. And that was my issue with it, you know, but... Shit, I lost my train of thought a couple of times. Jesus. Oh, all this Bronzeville stuff, too, got me to think about how, like, you know, I really wish, I mean, story of his career, but, like, whenever he's on a podcast, Master Ace from Bronzeville, yeah. who's strangely never associated with Bronzeville, always makes it a point to be like, sure, Bronzeville is what it is, but it's just, like, there's also a community. There's also, like, you, you know what I'm He also has positive things, like... Whenever you think Brownsville, it's just like, whoa. Like, yeah. you, it does have that thing, but it's just like, it goes, yeah, it just goes yeah, back to just the, like, the, the, the struggle, struggle. The last time you, know, you and I were in Brownsville. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a developing, and it was developing within within its own, within, within its own ecosystem. It wasn't yeah. trying to make uh, a neighborhood that's like, come visit. It's trying to make a neighborhood that's like, be proud to not leave. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, we did a show with with um, Star Power, not Star Power, but shout out to Star Power, mm-hmm. um, Supernova, and he had us at this really nice center in Brownsville that had delicious food and delicious drinks, and yeah. it was like geared to to create like a nice, just to create like a nice experience for people who live, live in the in, neighborhood. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very much so. I call I call like is there a term for that like inter intergention in you know like like <laughs> like, like anti gentrification like keeping the neighborhood it's just, like, I hear you grow yeah community it's just community it's just community right like that movie well I thought our song was maybe a little bit better from the early two thousands it attempted to show the community I think that had a wait our song that movie what? I was talking about with Carrie Washington oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah like I thought that was maybe yeah, a little bit better than that. First Match yeah. um, is that it, I think it at least tried to acknowledge the community but it still did a lot of cliches this one like it had no other than like the wrestling team it had no real sense of the area and and it's one of those things where I feel like someone who knows nothing about Brownsville can go and watch something like first match and go, oh my god, look how hard they have it. No, I'm no, really, yeah. I'm really yeah, happy that yeah. girl got out. Oh my god, that you know, and it it just becomes yeah. it becomes more for them. Be honest with you, than it is for the people. Like you think that's going to do anything for the people of Brownsville? This movie, like right. no, nothing no, for them. Absolutely not. No, everything. I want people from Brownsville know this exists. They don't. And do you think that it'd be like? Oh, it'd be like, who is what? Who is this cop? Like, do you think like, you know, it had all this. Yeah, I was just like, I don't know, dude. And, yeah. Because I, I want more movies about smaller, nicher neighborhoods in New York City. I want those stories. And, yeah. And I don't want to dismiss people or dissuade people from this. I was just like, where does this person see themselves wanting to tell this story and understand this story? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, I, as y'all both know, I, I work with, like I said, I work with filmmakers, and I'm, I'm actually doing screenwriting this year, and like I, I, I had a student 
I won't say what the script was about, but she wrote a script about like another culture and was making all these judgments about it. And I said to her, I asked her, I said, well, what's, what's the reason why you're doing this, first off? Like, why are you interested in it? And she started speaking about, you know, the culture, the things that she saw. I said, but yeah, but why you? What does that ring for you? There's definitely something that happened in your life that has has that makes this important for you i said before you understand that i don't think you should do this this or i don't think you should continue writing this script about another place because you're making judgments but you're not analyzing yourself you're basically going away from analyzing yourself and pointing the finger at somebody else and i thought that was just very it's not a it's just not a good look mm-hmm. yeah you know it's not a good look what was their answer um, we're still having that conversation, me and this dude. I think they understood. I actually, you know what I actually did? I sent them um, some some writings of Bertolt Brecht, who would write about other cultures, but use other cultures as a as a distancing mechanism to talk about their own. So I try and, I'm trying to push her to read some of that stuff, you know, the epic theater and all that. But we'll see where she people where she goes. People don't read Brecht anymore. No, that's that's come on, that's old hat for people. Yeah, but it's not. I know. Brecht I, it, is like it shouldn't be. Brecht is like pretty, you know, transformatory. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. You know, like ah, oh, that annoys me, man. And more people, you know, it's interesting. But I think this, I think this has to do with a long tradition on American indie movies. Like, even a lot of documentaries. You got these documentaries. I think in the documentary field, it's worse. People who are yeah. not from mm-hmm. those areas going in and making movies about them and like getting a lot of pats on the back. And it's it's not frowned upon. You know, because who who doesn't want to be in a movie? Yeah, <laughs> everyone wants to be in a movie. I mean that that's that's what we were talking about. Um, you know, Paris is burning. Like yeah. that. I mean, that's one of the most egregious ones mm-hmm. uh, of just like people not being involved. You know, <clears throat> and it's so easy. Like when you're part of that ballroom culture, like this is an insult. It's just like, oh, a movie about us? Absolutely. Like they want attention. Like that's right. part of it. It's your show. It's a ballroom yeah. culture. You want to stunt on everybody. Like that's the whole thing. So it's easy to present this package to people. Hey, it's going to be it. So, which it did. It won the jury prize at Sundance 94, I think. Um, and it's like, it's getting all this attention, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, oh, sign, sign me up. Yeah. So, And you never want to assume the person stepping in is going to, come in with bad intentions you're probably going to assume first off that they're coming in there on 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 the level you know what you i'm should, saying and that's what should because that's what you think human beings should do but it's funny and interesting because I, I and marcus know that i i think for the first time and it was it was for the first time i watched it and I, it's sad that i took me this long i watched nothing but a man because mm-hmm. ivan dixon mm-hmm. was direct i forget the director's name and he's white and nothing but a man to me is an example of a white guy stepping into or a white person stepping into telling a black story and doing it correctly. Mm-hmm. Like I watched that and I'm like, I was impressed. I was like, yo, because I, I sometimes watch them and I wait for like, when's the white person gonna <laughs> rear their ugly head and mess this up? But nothing but a man, and I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I felt you know I felt really good, but I think maybe also because he is about. Him living in a world of whiteness, so it was the guy kind of telling about the world that he that he's from, also in a way. In a way, I went to a really cool I screening. Do, uh, I do um, love the connection by Shirley Clark. I haven't seen him in a long time. That's that a, that yeah. deals with that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Portrait mm-hmm. of Jason. Yeah, yeah, 
No, I'm just saying, I, I, Jonathan Demme and Fab Five Freddy screened Nothing of a Man at the Burns, Jacob Burns Film Center yeah. years ago. Um, I forgot the connection. I want, oh, the woman, the actress who plays the, the love interest, that, that was like Fab Five Freddy's like unofficial aunt. He, he like grew up with oh, her. Really? Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. The other, I think, but with Shirley Clark, though, I think why she's kind of in, have you seen her other films? I've seen a lot of her shorts. Well, yeah, because I have seen her films are about yeah, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen Portugal, oh, Jason. I've about Ornette Coleman. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that, too. I think that's why Shirley Clark doesn't get so much flat. I mean, not even from a racial standpoint, to just, like, get any person, get them drunk and keep filming them. There, there's some moral, questionably, mm-hmm. you know, things about that. But she's all, like Scott said, Ornette Coleman, she's done a lot of films about black folks that are just, oh, this is official, so... She does not. That that's like she doesn't have a bunch of egregious, uh, you know. Examples. Yeah. Just that one. Just that one. Yeah. And it's and the and the other thing too is portrait. It's still an interesting in a good way. Hey. Hello. You can you can are say you something. Yes. 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 And now you're recorded. You're being recorded. Well, you gotta say hello. Hi, everybody. Yeah. Sa- that's Sasuke walking Sasuke. into the house. <laughs> in the house. Yeah. You look cute with those glasses, honey. Hi, Aja. Okay, sorry. Go on. What were you saying? Portrait of Jason. (laughs) Portrait of Jason, um, Ornette Coleman. Oh, I was saying, Portrait of Jason is still like, it's also like an interesting, in a good way, interesting movie. You're just this guy rambling for a feature-length film, and it's very interesting, so... Have you seen that Charles Mingus film by the Swedish guys? The know. Charles Mingus one where he's moving out of Harlem? Yeah, he's moving that out movie, of the apartment. That movie's incredible. That's incredible. And it, was, it was Swedish guys who did it, right? Yeah, but they're just... They're just oh, yes, I did. And I, yeah, because re- I, I got you because, you know, I hate documentaries mm-hmm. except except jazz ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, because they did it very verite style. They did it like... Yeah. Like, there was no... Sensationalism about no. it. I got excited because I was literally thinking about that documentary driving up to Beacon yesterday because something came up and I was thinking about Cassavetes' Shadows because Charles Mingus got credit. He did the score for Shadows, but he really didn't. He was, you know, he was an addict, so he, he was struggling with that. So he only uh, did about seven minutes of usable music. So yeah. John Cassavetes had to like recut and loop parts of the song and like make and extend them and make them longer and then I remember thinking about oh, wait what was the documentary he's moving out of? yeah so it's just weird that that came yeah. up today when I was just thinking about all that stuff yesterday no, I, I think that's a fabulous documentary also one thing I want to I want to ask about before as we start as we start to slow down is the reason why I thought I wanted to have you on aside from you're one of my best friends and I love seeing you mm-hmm. Is you had this this text this tweet the other day, you said it's clear that film as an art in America has been so stifled by Hollywood's factory system, it's even killed our expectations and palette of what great cinema should be. Yeah, I mean this is something I I watched this documentary. It's not a great one. It's called Tales from the Script. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just basically a bunch of interviews with screenwriters. And like she read, and who do all types? Some like you know who've written like, you know, really low budget films that no one ever saw, and you know Paul Schrader, people like that. So it was a nice, interesting thing. And about halfway through the doc, I had realized that um, with 
the, the one commonality they all had was how stifled they all felt as screenwriters and that they always felt like they were compromising not in a way that was um hey we're gonna we're two artists working together we're compromising to make a great piece but they were constantly compromising with an industry that didn't really care about being artistic and about creating art and i always thought i and i i continually begin to think about what if movies didn't have this expectation to a make money and b then entertain everybody all the time even like dramas melodramas entertain everybody all the time what kind of cinema would we have i mean i would love to i would love if you'd allow me to to separate the two because i'm i, I truly believe as a as a non-capitalist that um we give value to things that don't necessarily need um economic value and it would be really nice if we could just make art or have spaces for art just for the sake of the importance of art like i'd love to restructure um record stores and crystal shops and bookstores and shit and take away the the actual need to actually sell products and the importance of having third spaces and being there to do that mm-hmm. and it would be nice to make a movie where all you were trying to do is make a movie right mm. like when when directors don't get final cut right and you know a studio steps in and says we're cutting 15 minutes of your movie why just because we want to cut it it's too long but they say and and they'll readily admit the the extra 15 minutes is actually better but they just want to get about two more screenings in a day mm. yeah because of money. Bottom lines. And that's like... And then everyone watches the, the director's cut 10 years later and go, oh my God, it's so much better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What, what really sucks is that you there is no director's cut of American History X that has the correct ending of of Edward Norton becoming a skinhead again. Which is really... Which would make the movie finally make sense. Because the movie makes no sense in the middle, the way it goes. Even if the original ending... I, I still probably wouldn't like it, but it also doesn't make any that's, sense. I would, yeah. Not to totally dismiss what... I'm just saying as a I'm someone... Just saying, like, I'm just saying if you look at the character art of that... Character arc of that character... Yeah. That makes it a lot more sense. Yeah. Especially because they, they, they put all their Nazi memorabilia in their closet. <laughs> The movie. I always thought it was the most funny feature about the movie. The way they're they're not burning their Nazi yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. They're putting it in their closet. Yeah. Yo. Yeah. Just in case. But I mean, just break it out again. Uh, yeah. You look. Look. Yeah. And as get ready. Um, they want to break it out again, just in case you know, a a redheaded professional wrestling Nazi becomes president sometime, and you want to be able to break out the bats and the the, the memorabilia to. To, to hurt people again. 